Well, this morning, we are going to conclude, like Pastor Jerry said, our five-week series on family. In the month of August, we've had four messages, and today is our fifth and final message um, in family. And we are going to focus in on what the Bible says about parenting. And we're going to use the scriptures as our guide. You don't need my experience to be your guide, okay? I am imperfect. Every parent in here is imperfect, okay? We're not, we haven't arrived, but we can take the scriptures to be our guide, and we are going to discover what God's design in raising children looks like and what it should be. But before we jump in, I want, to, want you to watch this video with me. This is a couple, a uh, husband and a wife, and, and they put together um, a little song or a rap, if you will, from their experiences of being parents. Watch this with me, if you would. Don't make me count to one, two, three. Yeah, it's the parent rap, y'all. We may spend most of our time chasing toddlers down, but we still know how to rock the hizzle. I don't even know what you just said. We used to be cool. Back in the day, back on the block. Watching PG-13 movies, staying up way after dark. Then we had a couple shorties, and now we're really flossy. Because now we be rolling with our own little posse. In the minivan, or in our little wagon. Let me throw it to moms, because the little one is sagging. I used to bling it up, I used to dress real shoe. Now I accessorize the food that's already been chewed. And that's all right. I make this diaper bag look good. When I'm walking through the mall, trying to wrangle my brood. My PB&Js will set your world on fire. I could make you mac and cheese blindfolded on a wire. I'm wiping the doo-doo, kissing the boo-boos. Got them eyes in the back of my head. I see all you do. Using your full name so you know I ain't playing. And that's why all my kiddos, they keep saying. Mom, mom, she's the bomb. Rocking all night till the break of dawn. Cooking in peace so I'll grow up strong. Got my second seatbelt if we crash head on. Dad, dad, he's the man. Working real hard to support the clan. Trading in his Porsche for an old sedan. Raising those brows if we get out of hand. When it comes to Candyland, I'm a stone cold player. Helping out with the homework, I'm an algebra slayer. Wrestle car seats into place without spilling my mug. If I tuck you in at night, you'll be as snug as a bug. Then I'm off in the morning to make that cheese. You may not know this yet, but it doesn't grow on trees. Now, mama, take it, please. What? Uh, take it. Dropping time looks like the hot potty training on my tots. Washing all the pants and pots, tying little shoes and knots. Giving knowledge to your brain like if your friendship off a train. You don't have to do the same, not get your toys out of the rain. I'm cleaning every spill, cutting coupons like a bill. If you need parental skill, now you know we are for real. You don't think our rhymes are ill, boy? Then you're grounded for a mill. Mom, mom, she's legit. Making us chill when we pitch fit. Telling us to share and never to hit. If you can't say something nice, put a sock in it. Dad, dad, he's the guy. Never gets tired of playing I spy. With a constant barrage of kids asking why. And he always pretends he needs another tie. You know money doesn't grow on trees. Why buy the cow if the milk is free? This won't hurt you as much as it hurts me. If you want dessert, eat another veggie. Close that door, you weren't born in a stable. Sit up straight and kiss your Aunt Mabel. Close your mouth when you chew. Get your elbows off the table. Mom and Dad of the year, check it. That's the label. It's the parent rap, y'all. And it's a parent. We're great parents. Mom and Daddy in the house. Mom and Daddy own the house. Mom and Daddy need to clean the house. Keep your hands to yourself, boy. Don't make me stop this beat. I'll do it. I'll pull this beat right over. 
All right. So, so it can be hard to understand quick moving lyrics, but there are many truths to what those parents were talking about. Whether you've ever tried to convince your child to eat something that's healthy like broccoli, or you've tried to divide your kids from fighting, or you know, staying up all night rocking that child who will not go to sleep. There are many truths in what they were talking about and singing about. So again, I'm not the perfect parent. There's no perfect parent in this room. But this message is just not for parents today. I want to say that. Those of you who are listening online, it's not just for parents. If, if, if you are a parent, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you you are a parent, raise your hand. If you know a parent, raise your hand. Okay, then it's for all of us. So this is for all of us because there's things that we are going to glean today because all of us have influence. We all have influence, and that's what parenting is all about. So today we are going to look into our message. It's called Parenting with Purpose. If you have version, you can follow along on your handheld device or your tablet, um, but we will also have the points and the scriptures uh, here on the screen for those who are here. So let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you for today. Thank you that you are our source, Lord, where we lack you fill in the gaps, God, and we thank you for that. When we were in need, Father, you sent your son on our behalf, and Lord, what he has done affects every day of our lives. It affects every aspect of our lives. If if we will allow it to do so. So this morning, we just commit these moments together. We ask that you will illuminate our hearts and our minds to be able to hear your word, but then be able to take your word and see it put into action in our lives, Father. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So five points today. Pastor Jerry had 12. We're downsizing to five. And out of the five, four are going to be actual questions, and then we're going to end with a statement of truth, okay? So let's move on right here we go. Point number one, question number one is this. What is a parent's job? What is a parent's job? If you could ask parents that question, you get a very responsive. And if you ask kids what they thought their parent's job is, you'd get a, a different set of responses. But let's just bring it to, to here to, to, to make a clear point. As parents, they have three jobs, Three jobs. The first job that a parent has is to the extent that it is within your power is that you keep your children alive. Right? You keep your children alive. Kids are impulsive, and keeping them alive is a full-time job. Like my brother. I have an older brother. I have a younger brother as well. But my older brother, when he was about three... He had Superman pajamas, and they were really cool because they actually had the sewn-in cape on the back, right? It's about three. And so um, one day he decided that uh, he wanted to fly because he had the cape and the suit on, so he was ready to go. And so mom didn't know that he was going to attempt this, and so in the back of our house we had a, an area with a lot of cement, a pool area, and my brother went out beside the pump house about 12 feet up to the, to the roof, and on the side, there was a bunch of things, and he climbed up there, and he was standing on this shed, and he was going to take the leap to fly at three years old. And my mom saw him at the last second, ran out through the kitchen window, came around the side, and saw him, and she stopped, and she saved his life. So I always tell my brother, ah, I remember that one time mom saved your life, but I shouldn't talk too much, because there's a story about me. Um, mom didn't save my life, but uh, God did, because... When we were growing up, we had a bin of toys and an area of toys. And in these toys, we had play keys. 
How many of you guys have ever, like, maybe as kids, you had like old keys you don't use anymore. They're on a key ring that the kids have, and it's like their set of keys, just like mom and dad. Well, I was little, little, little. I had these keys, and they were metal. And um, so I went out one day, and I was going to play. On our home, we had a road that was in the front of our house, and behind our house, we had a, a dirt road, which most of the homes access to carports to park their cars. So if we wanted to go see our friends, we just go out the back of the house and just go down the dirt road and see our friend. Well, I went over. I was real little. I, in fact, I, I probably didn't have a friend that lived down there. I probably just followed my brother to his friend's house. And I walked down, and um, I had my play metal keys with me. And on the back porch of this house, um, I saw something that looked like uh, a place, a lock. You could put a key in. So I walked over, and I stuck it in, but it was an electrical socket. And um, my mom says that I came home. She didn't realize I even left the house. I'd kind of just gone out the back. And um, she said when I, when I came home, she could tell by the expression on my face that something was not good. So she asked me to show her. And so I took her down to the neighbor's house, and, she, and the keys were still arcing in the electrical outlet. And she knew what was going on. Kids are impulsive. Amen? So a job of, the number one job of a parent is as much as they, they, to the extent that they can, is to keep their children Alive. The second job a parent has is to keep those alive children and invest in their lives so that way they can function as adults and support themselves and care for themselves and be productive members of society. So you keep the kids alive and you help them and you, and you, and you help them grow and function and be um, productive adults in our world. And the third job of a parent, and most importantly, is this is a parent's job is to lead their children to Jesus, helping them grow in their faith and encouraging them to be filled with his spirit. That is the most important job that we have, is to lead their children to Jesus, to help them grow in that faith and encourage them to be full of his spirit. So that's the first question, the first point. What's our job? That's it right there. The parent's job is that. So Number one was quick, wasn't it? Let's go on to number two. They're going to get longer, so don't get your hopes up. Number two, the second point is, is another question, is where in Scripture can we find examples of parenting? Where in Scripture? Because you might be thinking, well, there's, there's not a whole book that's designated within the 66 books of the Bible that specifically talks on parenting. In fact, there, I don't even know if there's even like an, a whole chapter that's specifically um, committed to child rearing. I don't know. But we're going to take a moment this morning and we're going to look at what Scripture says about parenting. But we're going to look at the person of Timothy. Timothy. Now, there's some things we know about Timothy. There are two books in the New Testament that are named after him, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. But he didn't write those books. Those books are letters uh, a compilation of letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. And so we understand that 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy are these letters that, that the Apostle Paul wrote to him. And we know that Timothy was Paul's protege. He was uh, working with Paul. He was a, a godly man, and he was a young pastor. So that's what we know about Timothy. But a question we need to ask about Timothy is, how did he become the man that he was? How did Timothy become this protege to Paul, uh, who became a pastor and a godly man. We're going to look at him for just a moment and, and see. So our first scripture that we're going to read today is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 
2 Timothy 1.5, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And it says this, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. I remember your genuine faith. Your grandmother had it, your mother had it, and now that same faith is strong in you. Paul is recognizing this in Timothy's life. And so we know that Timothy's sincere personal faith came from the training, right, and the example of his mother and grandmother. And it's interesting here because even in Scripture, it mentions them by name. There are many characters in the Bible that that will talk about someone, but their name is not listed. Here, Paul goes to the point of listing their names. That's noteworthy. Your mother, your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, they were full of faith and you are full of faith. But also notice that there's no dad mentioned right there. Paul didn't say anything about his dad, did he? Nothing about a grandpa. He specifically was talking about the grandmother and mom. And I think it's, it's really important for us today to know that single parents or spiritually mismatched parents who are in a marriage where one person is pursuing Christ and the other spouse isn't, we need to understand that you can take heart from Timothy's story because you can still raise godly children. Did you hear that this morning? You can be a, a parent, a single parent, and still raise a godly child or in a mismatched spiritually relationship and still have your children uh, be raised to serve God. We need to notice that. So now let's jump to chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. And we're going to continue on some more understanding of his story. 2 Timothy 3, we're going to specifically look at two verses, 14 and 15. Reading on, it says, But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting Christ Jesus. So let's take these scriptures we just read and we're going to kind of take the details that we found about Timothy's life and we're going to break those things down we just read in that scripture And we're going to look for the parental takeaways, okay? So the details and and the aspects of his life. Let's see what we can look and learn from him. So the first thing I want to mention is that that parenting is about more than principles. Anybody can have principles, but parenting is more than principles. Discipling anyone, especially our children, is not just training and teaching, Because the fact of the matter is, is what we live will always be louder than what we teach. Amen? In fact, who we are as parents is more important than what we teach. So parenting is more than just principles. Okay? Who we are and how we live is more important. Another takeaway that we can take as parents is the Bible is the foundation of effective parenting. What did Timothy's grandmother and mother do? We just read about it. It says that they taught him the scriptures, they taught him the Bible, which gave him the wisdom to receive salvation through trusting in Jesus. 
So they taught him at an early age. The scriptures, the Bible. So that's another parental takeaway. Here's another one. The Bible is our practical source of wisdom. How many of you know that we need practical wisdom today? Whether you're a parent or not, we need wisdom. And the Bible is our practical source of godly wisdom. In fact, it's in the context of teaching children the word of God that Paul writes in verse 16 of chapter 3. This is what he says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So Paul mentions four things right there in verse 16. Talks about four things. And so we're going to look at the, as these as godly sources of wisdom. So the first thing he mentions that scripture, the work of scripture does when we teach it to, to our children is it teaches doctrine. And that basically is saying what is true we live in a world today that doesn't even know what truth is. Amen? Scripture, solid Bible doctrine, teaches us what is true. The next word is a word reproof. Well, we don't use that word very often anymore, uh, or very often at all. But reproof is, it, the meaning of that, it's conviction of sin. It shows us what is wrong. How can we know what's, what's wrong if we don't have it explained to us? And the Bible, being a source of godly wisdom, shows us what is wrong. And the conviction of the sin that we see as we have to encounter it in our lives. The third thing that's mentioned in verse 16 is correction. Correction, and that is to make things right when we mess up. And the last thing mentioned is instruction in righteousness. How to grow in godliness and how to pursue right living. That is our source of godly wisdom right there that's laid out in Scripture. And then the last verse that we're looking at in this particular part, in 2 Timothy 3.17, Paul concludes by saying, God uses this, that we just read those things. He uses this to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So parenting, these takeaways, as we can look at this, there's, parenting is a season, a constant season of teaching and correcting and reproving and training. It's a season. It goes along with the responsibility of being a parent, as Scripture shows us here in 2 Timothy. And the last little takeaway, as we understand that, these seasons of parenting, how we train our children should change as they grow. So having four children, I've walked some of these uh, phases through. We've walked them through. Many of you have as well. But we understand that the first phase of life is the newborn. And what do we do in that phase of their life? We provide constant care and protection for them. That's, that's our role immediately, constant care and protection. And then the next phase of their lives, we understand, is like the, the toddler to the preteen ages. And in theirs, parents, we begin um, training them for, for self-care. We shift from caring for them to teach them how to care for themselves in age-appropriate ways. So that's a season where um, that training begins in them because they have understanding. They can be taught those skills that they need um, that they, they, they need in that phase. And then moves to the next phase, and I'm going to say it, teenagers. Someone needs to intercede right now because we're talking about the teenage years. In those teenage years, 
in that phase of life, the role of a parent is that they begin to gradually release their children. And there's more watching and coaching and less doing because of the, the phase that these kids are in their life. And we let them make mistakes, which can always be hard, but then we can show them how to recover when they blow it. How many of you ever had kids blow it before? My mom was here. She would be the loudest amen in the room today. We blow it. But the job of a parent is to be able to help them grow and recover from those mistakes. And the last phase that we see as parenting is kind of the young adults on. And this is a season where we release them, and then we become more of a consultant in their life as they start making their own choices. So I've walked through many of these phases. I've got a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old, 17-year-old, and 11-year-old. And I've walked through these, and many of you have as well. But you can see how things have to shift and to change. As we receive godly wisdom from his word, we have to meet them where they're at. And so we have examples of parenting in Scripture. We have to understand that we need to take and, and mold those things that God gives us from Scripture and meet them where they're at in these different phases of life. Okay, so those are just a few of the takeaways we can take from 2 Timothy chapter 3 and from Timothy's upbringing we can understand. So our third question this morning, okay, our third question is this. When it comes to parenting, what should be our number one focus? What should be the number one focus? I'm just going to kind of pull it all in right here, answer it really quickly, and then we're going to grow out of this answer. In every stage and phase of life, like we just talked about, parenting in our child's life, we should focus in on their spiritual development. That should be the number one focus of our kids. How can we help them grow in their spiritual development as we help them move towards relationship in Jesus and having a desire to be filled with his spirit. But we spent some time in the New Testament. Let's jump back to the Old Testament for just a second. We're going to look in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And we're going to hear what God said to his children, the children of Israel. He had something to say, and I believe he has something to say to us as we read this. Deuteronomy 6. 1 through 7, still reading in the New Living Translation. This is what it says. These are the commandments, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and his commands, you will enjoy long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Lots in there. Lots in there. 
Lots to be, to be, to be learned out of that and, and see the, the precedent set there. So as parents, we understand that we have a teaching responsibility. There's a lot of things we have to teach our kids, all right? We know we have to teach them how to maybe tie a shoe or how to share, um, to dress themselves, how to use the bathroom on their own when they're little, uh, how to be a good friend to someone, how to ride a bike or to swim, behave in public, those type of things, how to cook or do laundry or handle money when they get older. The list could go on and on and on of the things that we need to teach our kids. But if you're raising children back in Moses' day, back in Deuteronomy, your list might include a few other things. Things like how to take care of sheep. Or um, how to plow and to plant. How to protect yourself from wild animals. Or how to handle a sword if invaders attacked. Or how to deliver a baby in a tent. Lord, I thank you that I am born in the generation that I am born in. Amen. Okay. But all these things, no matter what the list is back in Moses' day or in the list that we would have today of things that we need to teach our children, these things represent practical skills, right, of life that are necessary for kids. If, and, and, and they need to learn these things if they are going to survive on planet Earth. But God says something specific in Deuteronomy to his children, right? In Deuteronomy 6, he, um, God says to his children that they need to make sure that as a foundational priority that they should teach their children how to know and love and serve and fear and trust and obey God. That's what he says in Deuteronomy 6. He says, teach your children how to relate to me. Teach your children what I am like. Teach your children my ways. And teach your children my word foundational. That's what he's telling the children of Israel. You need to pass them on. And he said, it doesn't matter where you're at. You can be at home. You can be on the road. You can be going to bed. You can be waking up. Tell them again and again and again. The constant foundational principle. It's our biblical mandate that ahead of everything else, we must teach our children. In fact, we have to teach our children God's word. It is our foundation. Amen? Amen? As much as I love the, the Declaration of Independence and I believe in it, this is more important. As much as I want my children to, to serve, serve God and, and be a part of the Assemblies of God, which on many generations, God, you know what? It's more important that they serve and know and, and, and trust in God and have a relationship with God than it is that they attend an Assembly of God church. It's the most important Thing. Nothing else to me matters. When I stand before the Lord someday, I just want to know that one day my kids are going to stand there with me. That's what I want. That's what I want to know that my kids know Jesus because what we know now is temporal. The joys and the struggles, those are temporal, they last but a season. But we have the hope that's laid out in Scripture that we have a God. And because of Jesus, we can know that God personally. And he will receive us to himself one day. We don't know when. But everything now matters because of what we have in eternity. Amen? It's foundational. It's foundational. The number one focus of parents should be their children's spiritual development. 
Let's move on to number four, another question. What do children need most from parents? What do children need most from parents? If you ask them, you might get some interesting answers. Oh, what I need from my mom and dad? Oh, I, I, I need a new uh, MacBook. I need uh, a new car. Oh, I need this or that. What kids think that they need and what they actually need will differ, won't it? The understanding. What our children need, there's, there's a, a bunch of little things I want to list off. The first thing that our children need from parents, they need parents who know and love God above all else. That's what they need. They need parents who know and love God above all else. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. It's not going to be on the screen this morning, but it's the greatest commandment. And it goes right back to what we just read in Deuteronomy 6. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The greatest commandment. We've seen it in the Old Testament. We've seen it in the New Testament. Kids need parents who love God above all else. They need a mom and a dad that they can look to and they can see this scripture in Matthew 12, lived out firsthand in their home, loving God with all their mind, their heart, their soul, their strength. And this is evidence in light of the current crisis of faith that we're seeing in our world today. There is an epidemic of young adults who are leaving their faith when they get to their college age years. Why is this happening? Why are they choosing to lay down what they've grown up in when they get to this stage of their life? Why is that? Well, I believe there's a couple different reasons. One of the things that I believe is that, you know, some of these kids grew up in a church, they grew up in a church culture, and um, what they heard being taught was an incomplete gospel at times, an incorrect gospel more of a social gospel, and this is maybe what they heard is, there's a God who loves you, and he wants you to be really, really happy all the time. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to have a trouble-free life. In fact, if you play by his rules and you're really, really good, you're going to have a happy, abundant life and not have any trouble. They can hear a social gospel that says that. And so we know that that's not the gospel. There's elements of truth in that. God loves us, yes. He desires that we have abundant, full life. But we know that there will be trouble in this world. And these, these young adults, they go to college and they become disillusioned when difficulties come. And they don't feel happy all the time. And they say, God, I did everything on the list I was supposed to do. I was a really good rule follower, and I'm not happy, and things are going tough, and you know what? Forget it. I believe some young adults, when they get to college and they see the way their friends are living, it's like, it looks like they're having a lot more fun than I am, and they lay down their faith, and they walk away when they're in these years. But there was another reason that was discovered by the Barna Group when they conducted a study of these students and asked them, these, these students who grew up in church specifically, why they left their faith. And their number one response was this, hypocrisy. The number one response. You see, the hypocrisy that they see in the lives of people who claim to be Christ followers, but they don't have the evidence of that fruit, that fruit of the Spirit in their lives. And, and they don't live according to God's word. 
that type of hypocrisy. But many in this study responded specifically, saying it was the hypocrisy that they saw in their home. That they saw in their home. Children need to know that mom and dad have a real, living, transformational, personal love for Jesus and a walk with him. Are parents imperfect? Yes. Will we say things sometimes and do something different? Yes. We are human. But like Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And that should be our heart, that we would follow Christ. And of course, we're not going to do that perfectly. But our goal, nonetheless, should be that we would know God and love God and pursue God and embrace his word and embrace all that he has abundantly provided for us and that we would do that. And if our kids can see that being lived out, they can see an example and modeling what a true relationship with Jesus looks like, even with imperfect parents. That's what they need. Another thing that kids need is parents who will teach and model, I'm going to say it, what confession and repentance of sin looks like. I said the sin word, uh uh-oh. But our kids need to understand what that looks like. When our kids mess up, and they will just like we have, we need to return to the model that we just read in 2 Timothy 3.16. Those four things. When they blow it, we need to look at the first opportunity for teaching. Do they understand the what and the why, the specific incident that you are instructing them in? The reproof, do they understand what they did was wrong and why it was a sin? And then the correction, loving correction that comes alongside and, and helping them understand what they should be doing and avoiding instead of going down that path. And then that last part we talked about in 2 Timothy 3, where is the training of righteousness What can we do to help them to keep from stumbling next time? For repentance and confession of sin. Kids need moms and dads who can help them learn what it looks like to repent when we get it wrong. And to re-engage the gospel every day because they see their parents modeling that in the way that they live. One of the most powerful things you can tell your children is, I blew it. That was wrong. It's wrong according to God's word. And I confess that I was wrong in doing that. And I've asked God to forgive me. And will you forgive me too? If you model that in your home, you will show your kids the model that God the Father would want for us. Because we want to come to God and receive that forgiveness of sin. And we need to receive from his correction. And if we want our homes to be the same, we need to model that with our kids. Another need that our kids have is parents who love each other. Parents who love each other. A loving and peaceful home where mom and dad love each other gives children a sense of security and emotional safety. When you can provide that in a home. And considering that all that's going on in our world today, we need loving and peaceful homes. Amen? And that's up to the parents to provide that. Our kids need that. And you might have to shift some things in your home. You know what? I want things to be loving and, and, and peaceful. And so there might be times where you and your spouse need to have a, a really serious talk. And it might be something, you might need to take it out because the kids, you know, they might understand. Create environments where it's peaceful, 
where they know that mom and dad love each other and they can see you guys living that out before them. That's what kids need. And another, another need that kids have is that kids need parents who are pers- purposeful and intentional as they raise their children. Now, now hear this. Children need mothers and fathers who recognize that a child can get straight A's, be on the honor roll, get a college scholarship, remain a virgin, stay away from drugs and alcohol, and they can still be far from God. You can have kids who on the outside have done all the right stuff, but their heart is not right with God. And that's why they need parents who are purposeful and intentional to know your kids, to know not just the exterior. And you can cheer your kids on. There's nothing wrong with getting a college scholarship and getting good grades, but search for the heart. Where's their heart at? Contend for their heart. Kids need parents who are purposeful and intentional as they raise their kids. All those things, all those exterior things are good, but it's the heart that matters most. And that leads me to my final point, point number five. It's not a question this time. It's just a truth, and this is what it is. God delights in answering the prayer of the helpless parent. God delights in answering the prayer of a helpless parent. All of us have felt helpless before. But God delights in meeting us when we're broken, when we need help. It's never too late to make adjustments with your children. Maybe you've been discouraged as a parent, or maybe you're a grandparent and you've seen your kids raising grandkids and how discouraged they are, or you have family members, or maybe you don't have any children. You've never been married, but you can see families that are broken and kids who are hurting, and you want to pray for them. God hears the prayers of those who are crying out for help. And he delights in answering those type of prayers. And we always need to keep in mind this fact, that God, who is the perfect parent, even his children turned and walked away from him, and they went their own way. Think about that. He gave them everything that they needed, provided everything they could ever want, Yet his children had seasons when they turned away from him. So my encouragement to you today is this. Parents need grace. And God gives grace. Parents need grace. And God gives grace. God gives grace to anyone who asks. So would you bow your heads with me this morning, whether you're here in this room or you're at home, I wanna move into just a moment. God's grace meets us in this moment right here, right now. And first of all, I just wanna say maybe you were raised in a home where the scriptures were taught and it, faith was displayed by your family, but yet, a season came where you chose to lay down your faith. Today is a day where you can re-engage the gospel with all of your heart if you so desire to do. And so that's my first call today. 
you were raised to know the Lord, but yet you've laid aside that relationship for a season. But now, just like there's phases in raising children, there is a new opportunity and a new door that you can walk into to a fresh, vital relationship with God. You know what is true. And maybe you've been disillusioned, but God is calling you back home today. Because the Bible says that we are His children, and He always receives us with open arms. The second thing I just want to mention is that if you're here today and you're a parent and you've been discouraged and things haven't gone the way that you've wanted it to, or maybe you're a single parent or in a spiritually mismatched relationship, or maybe you're married and both of you are doing your best, but it seems like you fail constantly, have faith today. God is on your side and he will help you. And it might require you reaching out beyond yourselves for additional help. But if you make your kids the priority, if you make the Lord in their life the pri- your priority, if you will make his words and his, his statutes, what he says, his truth, if you make that a priority, God will help you. We are imperfect, but we serve a loving God who moves beyond our imperfections and he will help you. So call on the Lord today. And the last thing is this. If you just say, Lord, I just want to be an instrument, whether as a parent or a grandparent, an aunt and uncle, you might be saying, you know, I, I'm just, I, I have a heart for kids and young adults, and I just want to pray for them. Know how to pray by the things we've talked about today. Deuteronomy, 2 Timothy, his word. Pray that over your kids, over your loved ones. We all have a responsibility, especially in the world we're living in today, friends. Our kids need homes that are focused in on Jesus. So we're going to make that our prayer today. Would you join me, Father? I thank you this morning that as we come to you and we recognize, God, that we are completely dependent upon you. We are dependent upon you for our salvation. Salvation comes through no other source than Jesus Christ. We declare that truth today in this time together. You are our source for salvation, but you are also our source in life, God. And Lord, you didn't just come and provide salvation for us and leave us to flounder the rest of our lives until we see you in heaven. But God, you have given us so much more that we can walk in your ways and we can see the blessings that come, God. You give us many wonderful things and children are a gift from you. But God, we want to make the most of every opportunity. Lord, so we pray today for every family, every child, God, in our homes. God, we pray that your statutes, your word, your truth, will be established in our homes as a sure foundation and that our children will be taught your word and they will be taught to know how to love you and how to respond to you and and how to follow in your ways, God. And when that begins to happen, Lord, then that will be set for them so that when they become parents, they can then hand down to their children the same faith that Timothy's grandmother and mother passed down to him. God, we desire to see you working in our families because when you're working in our families, God, we know that the world will be impacted. So, Father, today, we trust in you. We thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that we will gain encouragement from your spirit today. And, Lord, if we need help, God, just nudge us. Help us, God, to reach out for help. The body of Christ is here to help one another. And we thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you for our families. We thank you for marriages. 
We pray that everything has been spoken over these five weeks, that now you'll begin to seal that in the hearts of your people. And it'll be more than just teaching, more than just principles. But God, they will become life as we live them out. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.